Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Not going to lie, the Diamondbacks are coming back down to earth a little bit. Is that a bad sign at this point in the season? Steve Zinsmeister, Alex Weiner, covers the Diamondbacks for ArizonaSports.com here on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of things today. I think Brandon Fought is a big storyline. He's had two really rough outings since coming up to the major leagues. Does he need to be sent back down? We'll get into that. The Diamondbacks are going to face the Giants for the first time all season. It's like a month and a half in, and we haven't played the Giants yet. What's up with that? But I think we do start with bullpen usage. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the bullpen this season, and I feel like it's probably because it's probably a good thing. It's well, it's a great thing. It's like a it's like an offensive lineman. If they do their job right, you're probably not calling their name on the broadcast. And so, same goes for a bullpen, especially one that was as bad as the Diamondbacks last season. They make a ton of changes. There's a ton of new names. Castro comes in. Chafin comes back. Uh, McGuff comes over from overseas. They've made a lot of changes to this bullpen, and so far, I would say that they've been a lot better, particularly in the back end, but uh, are they getting overworked? Yeah, this past week was was tough for them, specifically the, the National Series and the Marlins Series. In, in the National Series, they were able to survive it in one of the two games, but that was a sweep that was right on the table for them. And then in that third game against the Marlins, uh, just couldn't hold them at four runs late in the game. Uh, it, it just seems like... With the back-end guys, and because they had some injuries early on in the season, now they have Manaply back and they're working him in. And then just sort of the fluctuations with the starting rotation that they've just put more on the plate of some of these guys in the back-end, like an Andrew Chafin. And in this past week, which was really his only down week of the season, he had been very solid for them. But, you know, one bad week as a reliever can shoot your ERA up and make it look like, you know, we've had a... A difficult season. I think it's one a, bad day can really do. Yeah, that he had you. three earned runs against the Nationals in that one. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know if there's too too much to worry about here, but I think that just given the inconsistencies of the rotation, it's put a lot of strain on the back end of the of the bullpen. And you know, Chafin he pitched a lot this week. He, he came into a lot of games this week. I believe it was came into like four games out of like seven or something like that. and He's kind of the closer right now. He is. He's got five saves, which is the most on the team. It's the only guy with multiple, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah, Torrey is, is keeping it like, you know, still a matchup-based thing, but it, it seems like Chafin has just been the guy to go to so far. And then when that hasn't worked out, Miguel Castro, he, he came in three games in a row uh, over this past week. So it, it just seems like there's a lot being put on their plate, which, you know, I guess is... Maybe a little bit more than what they signed up for as back-end guys, but I think the more that Manaply gets kind of worked in here, maybe they use Jose Ruiz a little bit more in this situation. But yeah, for right now, it, it was a difficult week, and I'm curious just how the management of that back-end of the bullpen continues to go, especially given still you're dealing with a really young rotation. Yeah, it seems like no matter who you look at, statistically speaking, uh, they might have one thing that you really like, and then they have one thing you really don't like. So, like, for Chafin, he's striking out 15 hitters per nine innings. That's insane. But at the same time, you look at the whip, 1.31, like, he's clearly letting guys on base at times. Uh, He's pitched in 13 and two-thirds innings, which is the least of their primary guys at the back end. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see Chafin even more than he's been used, even though we've talked about he's appeared several times. Uh, Kyle Nelson, you look at a guy like that, a 1.23 ERA. Phenomenal. His ERA plus is 358. That's insane. Like, he's worth three 
uh, average relievers in baseball. But then you go to the whip again, 1.36. So he's letting guys on base too. Um, so there's a lot of guys you just need to see more of. Scott McGuff, again, I love the whip. I hate the ERA. Uh, Kevin Ginkle, uh, pretty average ERA, pretty average whip. So that's what Castro, they need just be solid. Just yeah, be solid in that role. Just be solid. Just be consistent. Uh, Miguel Castro, his ERA is pretty solid, three point three eight, and the whip is pretty good, one point oh six. So I think maybe Castro's been your best if you're not going to go with Kyle Nelson and his minuscule ERA right now. <laughs> well, with some of these relievers too, when you look at the ERAs, it could be a little deceptive because it feels like, you know, which you know we look. With Chafin, the three earned runs against the Nationals in that game shoots his way up. With right. Castro, he had one really poor outing against the Brewers early in the season that shot his way up. But if you look at the percentage of uh, scoreless outings, that's where Castro comes to shine. And with Chafin, you know, you mentioned letting guys on. For him, it's just he's he's missing a lot of bats, but when he makes a mistake, he gets hit hard. Um, so for him, it's, it's you know he hasn't been a closer full time before, and that's sort of what he is right now. And just limiting those mistakes late in games when teams are locked in because they're up against the wall. I mean, that's I guess that's the adjustment. Um, not sure mechanically what that adjustment is or mentally what that adjustment is, but at the end of the day, it's just not making that one mistake that's going to burn you. And so that's it with him. McGuff is interesting, and I'm I'm still going to you know keep the jury out on him, even though he's given up some long balls so far this year. Brent Strom uh, talked to the media this week, and for him, he, he said there could be sometimes a little timidness with the splitter and how he's using that. It just feels like once he gets a little bit more comfortable at this list, at this level with what he has between that fastball splitter, then there's a lot more upside to get to with him. And maybe the hope is by the midway point of the season, he's adjusted new baseball, new competition, maybe it's just kind of that deal and you might get a better version of him later. So I think there's some real upside here with this bullpen, especially um, considering what they've gotten out of Jose Ruiz recently and Manaply being back. And I'm, I'm not sure what they do with that extra arm because I guess another thing to bring up with you is that they're one man short in this bullpen right now because they have an additional hitter on the roster. Because their last roster move, they took away Peter Solomon to bring up Brandon Fott because they were one starter short, and they were one starter short because when uh, they, I think it was, I think it was the Dre Jamison spot when they brought him down, they brought up a hitter, um, or maybe I'm confusing that, but for whatever reason, they have one additional hitter than pitcher right now, and okay. because of that, they're one man short, and so maybe that's also putting a strain on who they can use when. There's not an obvious reliever call up in my mind. Solomon's down currently. Is that correct? Solomon is down currently. So Solomon has thrown 13 and a third, which puts him right in line with, you know, guys like Chafin. So Well, they they traded for Connor Pilkington from yeah, the Guardians. That's a name that makes some sense. I mean, if you want to talk about though. you want to talk about trading f- with the Guardians, they made a move in the offseason for Carlos Vargas. Uh, another guy with high upside who I think he's pitched like four and two thirds this season, so not a lot of experience there. I think there is the possibility they bring Dre Jamison back to the majors at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's imminent, and I don't know that that's in a bullpen role. Uh, you do want him to have success as a starter. You don't want to have to throw him back into a bullpen role so that if you do need him in the rotation eventually, which we could talk about it, there's a lot of rotation questions still. And if you hope that he's the answer in the rotation, you don't want to throw him into another bullpen role mm-hmm. again. We're only a month and a half into the season, and he's already fulfilled uh, closer duties, o- like opener, long relief duties. He was a starter. Um, so how much are you really willing to tinker with Dre Jamison's role? 
because that could negatively impact his development. So I, I don't know, but he is a minor league guy who could get called up at some point. Sure. And just to correct myself real quickly, it was the Dominic Fletcher for Anthony Mishevitz. That was the roster move I was thinking of, or why they right. have one fewer pitcher than hitter at the moment. And that was because of the Corbin Carroll knee injury. Yeah. Where he never went to the IL, but and Fletcher's they needed been somebody. Solid so far. So yeah. That good. brings up a whole other conversation we'll talk about later with Jake McCarthy and when he comes back and all that kind of deal. But back to your point about Dre. Um, yeah, he's he's had two starts in AAA so far to uh, mixed results. His last start was much better, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 curious because he's not the only guy that you're going to be like. You know, he's not the only option for them because when Zach Davies gets back, that's an option. And you know, Where's maybe he later at? in the season is he because they talked about needing to ramp him back up. So he's already had one outing at the Arizona Complex League. Uh, so I think they're gonna. He's, he's gonna have a second one. Should be pretty soon. Um, I think his first one was earlier this week, and so he'll have a second one, and then they're gonna reevaluate after that. So okay, it could be a matter of a week, two weeks, but it's it's on the horizon. It's not like he still has to. It's not get way on down the, the road exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. So it, it is in the near future that they'll get him back. So you know the options are. It, it's interesting what they do because now it's like, is there a guy you who's obvious that you don't want in the rotation that you want to see in the minor leagues a little bit further down. We're going to talk about Brandon Fott, but it's only two starts in. Let's go there. I mean, if you want to talk about the rotation and the question marks that it presents, uh, looking at the rotation, it's obvious you have you have the top two figured out. I mean, we've known that from the beginning. Zach Gallon is a stud. Uh, Merrill Kelly is about as consistent as they come in Major League Baseball. I'm not going to say he's amazing, but he's very consistent, and that's great. Something that they certainly value. Uh, Ryan Nelson has thrown 36 innings. That's far and away number three on this uh, roster. Um, and while I don't love some of his stats, a one five three whip is not good. Uh, ERA of six is not good. I think you have to kind of let him work it out. It's not bad enough that you're like, man, something is wrong. We got to send him to AAA and figure that out. Uh, like they did with Dre. I mean, you just can't do that with everybody, right? Yeah. You can't send everybody down to AAA, so somebody's got to be up. Ryan Nelson makes sense to me to work it out at the Major League level. Tommy Henry, I think, stays as well. His numbers look almost identical. An ERA of 5, a whip of 1.53. Both of them um, had better starts in their last outings than yeah, they had previously, though. Trending the right direction. The problem is Brandon Fought, who, and I hate to say problem because I love him so much as a prospect. They brought him up, what was it, last week, to make his major league debut, there was a lot of excitement around it because the Diamondbacks haven't had a ton of major pitching prospects in the last handful of years. No. Like, Archie Bradley might have been the last really big one. Especially ones who have worked out. If you remember, I think their top two prospects a few years ago, number one, number two was Duplantier and Widener. I think that at that point, that was maybe like, like, like their Anthony top Bonda a few years yeah. back. Yeah, they haven't really had big stunned. ones. Yeah. Uh, Braden Shipley. Remember how that worked out? Anyway. Uh, Brandon Fought has a ton of good stuff. You and I have talked a lot about his amazing slider, which has an incredible whiff percentage. Um, but he's got a little bit of a flat fastball. I've been kind of harping on that because he's, you know, right now he's leaving the ball over the zone, which I guess there's a silver lining here because uh, he is getting hit very, very hard. And I think in his first two starts, he's got it combined like six home runs against him or something like that. I think it's six. And an ERA currently sitting at 12. It's six home runs, yeah. Yeah. The problem is that because he doesn't walk guys, he has this abhorrence for walking hitters, which is good. It just means that he's out over the plate a lot. And right now, in his first two starts against Texas and Miami, Texas, a really good offensive team. Miami, a streaky offensive team that has a lot of pop. 
and they just got the better of him. Six home runs in two appearances. It's yeah. not great. Yeah, when Strom talked this week, he he's mentioned that, I think he said Fott has a disdain for walking hitters. Yeah. And we, we've seen that so far. He hasn't walked really anybody. He's got, um, he's got three walks. Three walks in two starts. You'll take that. Nine and two-thirds innings. The problem is that when he's... It's not just that he's not walking guys. It's that he's... You're right. He's leaving it over the middle of the plate. If you look at his, like, his heat zones right now, with the four-seam fastball, it's like low middle is where he's throwing it a lot. And That's we where saw he that threw, the Jorge Soler home run Soler. that he sent to the parking lot almost. Oh. So it was 468 feet. Um, the sweeper, because that's... You know, that's you know, an effective pitch that he's had, but again, he's left it over the plate a little bit. Um, so it's, that's really it. It's just being more confident in working the borders. If you miss a couple of times, you miss a couple of times, but um, he's got to find it on the edges because, you know, again, to talk about his stuff and you mentioned the fastball, but it's got great spin on this fastball. It's it's one of the top spin rates in the league for fastballs. He can get it up there. I know it's not like a 99 mile an hour fastball, but if it's, if he's throwing right and it's, 94 95 paired with the sweeper that he has and the changeup that he has i mean it could be pretty nasty so that's just what you're hoping for is that it's it's mostly a location and a confidence thing i think um because if you're leaving it right over the middle of the plate i mean you you can you know with certain minor league hitters you can burn them just with your overpowering stuff but it's not really going to happen with major league hitters especially if it's a 93 94 mile an hour fastball that you're leaving down and over the middle to Jorge Soler who's capable of hitting the moon on some of these home runs so uh, to me that's it it's just the next start and the next couple of starts it's it's too early to panic about Brandon Fott it's too remember uh, i think you asked me about Zach Gallen after his first two starts of the season and yeah are we worried like, yeah. yeah it's like are we worried about Brandon Fott's first two starts of his major league career it's like yeah he's given up a lot of home runs but i think that Strom hit it right on the head as far as what needs to be, you know, worked on and fixed. It's just, you know, more confidence firing to the black and making sure that you are not right over the middle of the plate, even if you're missing a little bit more than you're accustomed to. I don't think I'm worried as much as I'm curious what they decide to do. Is it to the level of concern where you send them back to Reno uh, in favor of, I don't know, Dre Jameson, or we talked last week briefly about Blake Walston, who doesn't have enough starts to make it to the majors yet, but I, I do think that that's coming down the, down the road somewhere. Um, I mean, if you want more positives, he went from seven, fought, I'm talking about, went from seven swinging strikes in his debut to 12 in his second appearance. That's a little bit better. Um, so there are signs that, yeah, this is a talented pitcher. There's no doubt about it. And the Diamondbacks feel the same way. They're not going to give up on the guy because he had two rough starts to start his career. That's that's just not going to happen, especially with how much confidence Mike Hazen showed in him during the Madison Bumgarner press conference where they DFA'd him. And he was asked, is Brandon fought ready to go? He was not the one called up that day. No. Uh, but they asked him about that. Somebody asked him about that. And he very clearly said, yeah, he's ready. He, it just didn't work out timing wise. I was shocked by that because usually you don't see an organization show so much confidence in a pitcher that's had not a ton of starts in the minor leagues. Um, but I do think that they're going to continue to ride Brandon Fought at least for a while. If he has four or five rough starts in a row, then you consider sending him down. My opinion. But right now, you just don't have... If you had four or five major league caliber starting pitchers right now in this rotation mm-hmm. that are just rolling, then he's probably going down. But right now you have, I mean, like I said, you have Gallon, you have Kelly, and Ryan Nelson hasn't been great. Tommy Henry hasn't been great. There's really still three openings in this rotation in my mind. It's it's anybody's taking. 
Sure. And then when Davies comes back, then they have to just cross that bridge when they get there. Yeah. That, that's an interesting decision to make. Um, that might just come down to Henry and Nelson's next couple of starts or next start. Henry's going to throw Thursday when the day we're recording this against the Giants. Nelson's going to throw Friday or I believe Friday. I believe he's going to throw Friday. So I, I think Nelson and Henry have both shown a lot of good. Um, it's just you know, putting it all together for complete starts. And for Nelson, it, it kind of looked like that in his last start. At least he gave them a better chance to win the game. Um, and Henry, really, you know, kind of difficult first start. And he said a couple of innings where it's gotten away from him a little bit. But um, I think they like it, the consistency with his approach, with his stuff. And I think they, they kind of know what they're getting out of him. And that's nice to have when you have a couple of guys in the rotation that you don't quite know yet. So, yeah, it's it's, again... I don't know what this rotation is going to look like in September when we talk about some of the minor league guys that are there and, you know, potential trade deadline, all this kind of stuff. But it's going to be a lot of different versions of what we're getting now. Uh, and so right now it's it's still all a competition. They're trying to win games. But for these last rotation spots, not only for this year, but going forward, it's still all a competition. And so it's kind of fun to watch. Somebody that has been very fun to watch over the last week and a half, two weeks is Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Part of the offseason trade they made, sending Varsho to Toronto for both Gurriel and uh, Moreno behind the plate. Lourdes Gurriel has had a week, man. And since May, since the start of May, look back to May 2nd, they uh, had a game against Texas. Against Texas, Washington, and Miami, Lourdes Gurriel is currently hitting 455 in the month of May. <laughs> On base 586, slugging over 1,000 for an OPS of 1.632. That's insane. He's got 10 hits, four home runs, six RBIs, and seven walks. Only five strikeouts. Lourdes Gurriel's been the best player on the team probably for the last week and a half. Eh, Christian Walker's been good too. So, I mean, like, he's been phenomenal. And if you want to look back and do an early reevaluation of that trade, I would say right now the Diamondbacks are winning that trade. It looks pretty good early. I mean, Lourdes Gurriel offensively is outproducing Dalton Varsho so far. And Gabriel Moreno, the way that he's been playing defensively, gives you a lot of hope for what he is going to continue to grow into. I mean, he's still a very young player. And offensively, he's shown some prowess. It hasn't been completely He's hitting 300. He has. He has. He hasn't had, a lot, had a, hasn't had a lot of barrels and a ton of extra base hits yet. But he's putting the ball in play. He's getting on base. He doesn't he's walk. He's very athletic. He doesn't um, walk at all. He's got three walks Ooh. and ninety-eight plate appearances. Yeah, that could that that can that can use some improvements. But again, he's yeah. showing you a lot to like. Um, very oh, athletic. Yeah. He can run. He's throwing out more than half the runners who try to steal on him. And so so far, so good. It looks like. I mean, Barshow's still a very good player, but Guriel is on a tear right now. And again, it. He has been a good offensive player his entire career, pretty much. Last year was a down year. He had dealt with the handmade injury. It still wasn't a horrible season for him. I mean, 745 OPS is the lowest of his career, but he didn't have the same power that he had shown in previous seasons. He already has five home runs this year. That's as many as he had last year. It just seems like he's not missing a lot. I mean, whenever, you know, when he finds his pitch, he's hitting it and he's hitting it really hard. Um, Really good hard hit percentage. Really good uh, expected batting average. He's not striking out a lot. The walks are kind of middle of the pack, but that's okay. Um, just so far, so good. He's been rock solid offensively and has been spraying the ball everywhere. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Lourdes. If you want to talk a little bit more about Moreno, 
I think when you add two guys that are capable of hitting 300 and you give up a guy in Varsho who I, I'm trying to remember what his numbers were last year. I want to say he hit like 230, 240, somewhere in there. I think it was a little higher than that. I'm not, I'm not sure, but... I mean, it was a guy who's not a high average guy. He's got pop. He's fast. He's a good fielder in the outfield. He's left-handed. That's what Toronto was looking for. Do you have his numbers? Yeah, it's two, uh, you were right. It was 235. 235. Wow, I was right in between the two numbers I gave. I was a 109 OPS on. plus, which was also a little lower than I thought. Yeah, and so when you add two guys like Moreno and Gurriel, who have both hit at a high level, not necessarily for power, but... They get on base a lot. And that's something that the Diamondbacks have clearly valued. Look at a guy like Paven Smith, uh, guys that they've added in the last couple of years, like Alec Thomas coming up. Josh Rojas doesn't have a ton of power. He's probably a 20 home run guy at best. Um, Perdomo, not a ton of pop, but a guy who gets on a lot. So that's just kind of the mold that they've built this team in. And so for that reason, I guess Lourdes and Gabby Moreno, they fit, they fit perfectly with this squad. I still think that this team is missing significant power other than Christian Walker. I mean, I'm looking at the home run column. Christian Walker has nine. The next highest is five. And that's Cattell Marte has five. Lourdes Gurriel has five. Corbin Carroll has five. Um, after that, it's a pretty significant dip. Sure. But um, again, Gurriel, when he's firing like this, he he's another power bat. And he has stepped up in some really big moments this past week. I mean, that home run in the ninth inning against the Nationals was huge, spectacular. And... Corbin has a lot of pop, and you know he's not like a 35 home run hit guy that you may be looking for, but um, he's still ton of power to you know different fields, and I don't know. I, I feel like the way that this is structured, you're right. They could use a guy who could just change the game in one swing of the bat, and maybe that's something that they look for. But I'm not sure. I may, and maybe it is a situation where they see an opportunity to get like a star player like they did with J.D. Martinez back in 2017. Maybe that's on the table. They have a lot of organizational depth, and so they're kind of in a prime spot if they do want to make a move like that. But I guess it's like, do, would you rather do that or would you rather get another starting pitcher? Can you do both? Do you have the ammunition for both? They probably do, but how much are you willing to gut the system? So, I mean, tons of opportunities, but um, you're right. I mean, offensively, though, it's still been one of the best teams in the league Uh in total, I mean, right now as a team OPS plus, it's one ten. That's sixth uh, in MLB right now. Wow. Even if they only have thirty nine home runs as a team, again, one of the highest on base percentages. They're just they're just getting guys on consistently, and they're scoring runs. And so, you know, maybe for the entire season, there's going to be lulls. We've seen it this year already in like, you know, four game stretches and stuff. But uh, it hasn't really been like a two week dip where their offense has been pretty poor i guess the beginning of the season there was a little hit and miss but that was the first eight games of the season so i don't know really how much you want to take from that but i think offensively they still have a lot of the tools you want to be a rock solid uh offense i think you know if, if they are an above average offense which they have been if they are an elite defensive team which they are they just need to have you know a little bit more consistent pitching and they can stay pretty competitive for the rest of the season it seems like Jake McCarthy was sent down to AAA Reno because he was hitting 143 on base, only 229. It just wasn't acceptable offense, so the team sent him down. Something that they did multiple times last year. Sure. He responded very well. He's responding well again because in Reno, over the last 11 games that he's played there, 49 played appearances, he's got 13 hits, which is good for a 302 batting average. He's on base 367. He's swiped a couple of bags. He's hit a couple of home runs. His OPS is over 900. He's clearly doing the things that they're asking of him at AAA Reno. 
I don't know what their time frame is to call him back up. Uh, could there possibly be a swap of him and Alec Thomas, another guy who has struggled at the major league level, hitting 196 so far this season? Could they kind of just, hey, this worked for McCarthy, let's do it with Thomas. And <laughs> they play the same positions. They're right. both really good fielders. Uh, that could be a straight-up swap that they end up doing. Um, but it looks like, for all intents and purposes, Jake McCarthy has done what they've asked of him. Might be time for him to get a call up here in the near future. Yeah, he's been terrific. Uh, and a lot of it was just swing plane and just not really finding the same rhythm that he did last year. And it appears from afar that he's finding that again. I mean, he's he's really tearing the cover off of the ball down in Reno. And uh, it's something he did last year. I mean, pretty much, especially that second time. When he got sent down that second time, I mean, he really, really came alive. And when he came back up, he was... what their third, fourth best hitter, maybe even better than that for the rest of the season. So that's something that they're counting on. Jake McCarthy, just because he went down, it doesn't mean he's like not you know part of the core. He's still part of the core, and the best version of the Diamondbacks includes somebody like McCarthy who can play all three outfield positions at a very high level, can run, maybe he's not going to give you 30 home runs, but has decent pop going to the pull side and can get on base. So if, you know... Maybe, you know, a few more days if he continues to do this, you start to have a conversation. I mean, I'm sure they're having conversations right now about potentially getting him back up. You're right. Maybe Thomas is the candidate that you would send down. They they brought up Dominic Fletcher to kind of fill in that role. And it's been so far so good for him. Thomas gives you a bit more upside often or defensively because he has better speed than Dominic Fletcher. But if you have Corbin Carroll, if you're bringing back up Jake McCarthy, maybe the load lessens a little bit on that end. And for right now... Thomas is really struggling against left-handed pitching. He's struggling uh, against off-speed pitches tremendously. And so maybe you're right. Maybe it's you have a conversation. It's like, look, this is going to be a couple of weeks as long as you perform and you do exactly what we need you to do. But here's here's your list of things to work on. And uh, maybe that's an option. But you're right. I mean, I'm not sure who they send down at this point. Hopefully not another pitcher so that you have a, a, another <laughs> bullpen spot open. I don't but think that's... I, I know. I don't think that's a, a, a realistic... Likely, yeah. Uh, Option, but yeah, but Jake McCarthy is, I think, has done everything he, he can do to get himself back up, and it's only a matter of time. Uh, the hard part is finding the, the playing time because you do have to weigh the importance of getting him up to the major league level versus getting him everyday at bats. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to try to get at bats for Corbin Carroll, obviously, Lourdes Gurriel fits into that conversation. Paven Smith fits into that conversation somehow, uh, even though it's mostly going to be at DH, but then that takes your DH role from Guriel. So now he's playing the outfield. So you see how this is just a big puzzle where they've got, I'm not going to say too many outfielders because this is a great problem to have, but they do need to work out, okay, do we have a full-time role for Jake McCarthy or would we rather keep him in Reno where he's playing every day, having lots of success, keep him in that groove, and then when we need him, you know, knock on wood, an injury happens or one of these guys switches positions or something, then all of a sudden you open up a position for McCarthy. I would expect it would be Alec Thomas that would go down and not Fletcher. Uh, while I realize Thomas is probably more established at the major league level than than Fletcher, uh, my argument is simply this. They haven't been afraid to make tough conversations uh, and turn them into tough decisions. DFAing a World Series hero in Madison Bumgarner, sending McCarthy down wasn't an easy decision. Sending Dre Jameson down wasn't an easy decision. Calling up your top pitching prospect, maybe even a little too early, you could make that argument, because they're in contention right now. It's early in the season, but 
I think that they're in a better spot than most people give them credit for uh, or thought that they would be in this position. So they're willing to have those tough conversations because they're winning and because they're in the conversation in a very tough NL West where the Padres are spending more than they have. And the Dodgers, we all know about the Dodgers. They're always going to spend well. They've got the best minor league system in baseball as well. So if there's a year where you have to make some tough decisions because, well, you know, that guy's just not hitting. We like him. He's a part of the core. But, you know, Alex just not performing right now. Jake is. Let's swap those guys. That seems like the common sense answer to me. Sure. Uh, And they're definitely having these conversations. And I mean, it's not only just Alec, too. It's like from a roster construction perspective, it's like, does it make sense if it's Pavin, if it's Emmanuel, because we have Longoria there? I mean, they, they, they have all these guys in different spots. And because they have that additional hitter on the roster right now, I mean, I don't know how long they're going to have an extra hitter on the roster right now, but I expect um, they'd make a move soon. Yeah. But then if it's McCarthy, then do you have to make two moves? I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's so much stuff to think about right now with this team. And again, like you mentioned, these are good problems to have because Emmanuel Rivera hasn't done anything to get sent down. He's played very well for them. And Paven Smith has been, uh, he's cooled off significantly, but he's shown enough Still to Still got have an a on base role. over 400. So, exactly. And so Fletcher's played well. Thomas gives you, you know, a lot of good stuff, even if he's not producing offensively. So you're right. I mean, it's just like, what's the best version of this team at the end of the day? And if you feel like, okay, the best the way that we can get, you know, speaking from like the D-backs perspective, is like the best way we can get the best version of Alec Thomas is if we send him down, let him sort of find a rhythm, work on a few things, get every day at bats while we have Jake McCarthy up. That helps them out a lot. And it's also just, you have to keep winning every single day now. I mean, there's there's no room for error right now. You're in a division with the Dodgers and the Padres, and you're in a National League that has some really talented teams in some other divisions. Maybe not a ton in the NL Central, but in the NL East, you have a couple teams who have stumbled out of the gate but are still talented enough to be there at the end of the season. So, yeah, not a lot of room for error as far as just, you know, losing games like they did against the Marlins this past series. And in order to find the right combination of guys for now and the rest of the season, yeah, you're right. These conversations have to happen. And I think that, you know, they definitely are. And it's sort of a fun problem to have, even if it's a stressful problem to have. Well, we talked about the other good problem to have, having organizational depth and having to make a lot of these tough decisions. There are two guys in the minor leagues, in AAA specifically, because a lot of the Diamondbacks' best prospects are very high in the system. They're not very low. There's a couple good low ones, like Drew Jones, who they picked last year, is a great outfielder. Um, But like Jordan Lawler at shortstop is in AA. Uh, Reno has a guy named Dominic Canzone, who is much like the other outfielders they have. Left-handed hitting. Uh, I think he can play multiple positions. You told me earlier he can play first base as well, which is not exactly a need for the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, but good to have the flexibility. Canzone right now is hitting 295, on base 374, nine home runs, 31 RBIs in the first month and a half of the season. Uh, really, probably less than that because in the minor leagues they start a little bit later, I think. He's got nine home runs. This is one of the best power hitters in the minor leagues right now, and he plays the same position as all the other guys that are getting opportunities for the Diamondbacks. I I almost feel bad for the guy because you can't do much more than this in Reno, and I just don't know where there's a spot for him in the major leagues, but if he outperforms all the other guys, maybe Dominic Canzone works his way into the conversation at some point during the season. Yeah, they lucked out because he was not on the 40-man roster, and he was eligible for the Rule 5 draft, and he wasn't, wasn't taken. 
Um, still in the organization. Yeah, he's 25, but you're right. Last year, he hit the ball very hard, and he hit it very well. This year, he's hitting even better. Um, like we talked about, just the organizational depth and their flexibility to go make a move if they want to. Um, he's somebody who, you know, if it's not in a package, could be, you know, oh, we still have Dominic Canzone if we move X and X, you know, to potentially come up and fill out a role. Or if somebody gets hurt, he's there. So you're right. It's it's. I don't really know. I don't really see a path to playing time, at least in the moment for Dominic Canzone, um, just because I feel like Jake McCarthy is next in line if you need an outfielder from Reno. So, but yeah, it's great to have the option and just given if he continues to produce the way that he's producing, it's hard to believe that he won't have his opportunity at some point. Uh, Blake Walston also fits into that narrative. We talked a little bit about him last week, only in that I basically said, I think eventually he might work his way into the conversation uh, to be in this starting rotation, which is, as we talked about earlier, is very much not set in stone at this point. Uh, since I said that last week on the podcast, Blake Walston had another phenomenal start. Uh, His best, yeah. Admittedly, he started a little rocky to the season. He did not appear to be striking guys out very much, which is weird for a guy with his talent level. Uh, he's completely turned that around at this point. In Reno this season, he's got a 2.62 ERA, which if you know anything about the PCL in Reno, you know that's unbelievable. Uh, he is striking guys out at a much better clip now, although it's still low at 55 uh, per 9. Um, but he just keeps guys off base. Uh, he's had a couple really good starts in a row. Maybe that's another guy that works his way into the conversation down the road. He doesn't have a lot of Reno starts. If I looked, I he's, he's got he's seven. seven. Yeah, it's not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, his last one was great. Uh, seven and a third, seven strikeouts, only two walks. Uh, I think Michael McDermott pointed this out on Twitter that it was the first start of his in AAA in which he had more strikeouts than walks. Um, Okay, that's something that's a little concerning. uh, It's not great, but it's something to work on. He's again, it's only seven starts in AAA, and he's really turning it on. I mean, his last four starts, all of which one run or no runs, and six innings, four innings, five and two thirds, seven and a third, two earned runs across all of those. So he is in a real groove right now. Um, The strikeouts are like to your point. They're trending upwards. The walks are trending downwards. It's he's doing exactly what you want to see from him. He's it's still very early, and he's still pretty young. He's twenty one. Yeah. So uh, I don't know when, if the season, we'll see him at the big league level, but definitely another option if you know some guys stumble and this is somebody who can come up and get major league outs. Well, there's four and a half months left in the season, yeah. and in theory, he spends all of them at AAA. So we talk about seven starts now. He might have. 20 plus by the end of the, you know, by the time they're ready to call him up. And that's going to be plenty enough uh, to know what he's got. So he might work his way into the conversation. Uh, Failed to mention this on the podcast last week. Christian Robinson, he used to be the Diamondbacks top prospect at one point in time. A guy who was seen as a center fielder, much like all their other great prospects. Um, Bit of a power hitter. There's a lot of swing and miss. I think he's kind of the mold of Julio Rodriguez. Nowhere near the established player that Julio is at this point. But Christian Robinson went through some legal troubles a couple years ago. He allegedly punched a cop on the freeway during spring training. Not ideal. Uh, He ended up missing several years of baseball because I think the last time he played was 2019, if I remember right, which was before the shortened COVID 2020 year when there were no minor league uh, systems. So he hasn't played baseball in three years. He finally just got his visa back. The legal stuff is kind of been being cleared up. Uh, so they get one of their used to be top prospects back all of a sudden. The question is, where is he at with baseball? Because he just hasn't played the sport in a long, long time. Not in game action, at least. 
Yeah, 2019 with Hillsborough, which was uh, a single-A affiliate at that point. Or it still is a single-A affiliate. But um, yeah, 44 games played. Uh, and then Kane County, 25 games played. So he played 69 games in 2019. 2020 season was lost, but by then, you know, it, it's you're right. It just he hasn't played a lot of baseball. He's going to start off, uh, I believe, in the uh, I believe he'll start off in the complex league or rookie ball and work his way up. I actually, I thought it was, was like low A. Low a maybe actually, I think you're right. I think it will start in low A. I don't know how you um, go about making that decision on that. But. Like I don't know how you evaluate a player who hasn't played in game action in three years. Like uh, we just don't know where you're at right now. So you just kind of have to pick a spot and hope it works out. Now, this is kind of how I feel about it. If it works out and he plays well and eventually makes it to the majors, great. Awesome. Cherry on top at this point for the organization because you weren't planning on having this guy around anyway. And there's so many other great outfield prospects that have either made their way to the majors or we talked about Canzone, uh, Drew Jones. Like There's so many good outfield prospects in this system that if Christian Robinson makes it to the major league somehow with the Diamondbacks, he must be playing out of his mind. Because there's so many guys he's going to have to beat out or get traded or whatever. Uh, he's only 22. And he's so he's far so behind young. that, you know, by the time he's 25, could that be when the Diamondbacks see him potentially make the major leagues? And if that's the case, what does the roster look like at that point? So it's, it's yeah. again, a high upside player who had a great pedigree as a young prospect now being reinserted into the system. He's going to start with Vesalia in single A. Um yeah, you're right. It's gravy. I see exactly. The most important thing is just getting him on the field, getting him back into a rhythm, and then seeing what you have in him. And if you if it doesn't work out, I don't think it's a huge loss. I mean, they've been without him for the last three years, and it hasn't been a huge detriment to the organization. Uh, it sucked when it happened, uh, both for the person, the the player, the the organization, for everybody involved. It, it was bad, but. Um, they certainly rebounded. I mean, Corbin Carroll became the greatest uh, prospect in baseball at one point in time. They've developed a lot of good pitching prospects that we've talked about ad nauseum. So uh, the organization did well despite losing their top prospect at one point in time. It's it's good for him that he's back in the system, and I hope that he does well. I have no idea how he would make it to the majors. I have no idea. But if that happens, it's going to be an incredible story. Absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about the schedule real quick as we wrap up. The Diamondbacks do get the Giants this week, starting today. 640 first pitch today against the Giants in a four-game series at Chase Field. They have not faced the Giants yet this season, which seems weird because they played the Dodgers a ton right out of the gate. They haven't gotten the Giants yet. What should we expect in this series? Uh, Yeah, I mean, pretty frustrating end to the Marlins series, and so looking to bounce back. They're going to have... The, all three of the young guys are going in this series. It's going to start with Tommy Henry. Then it'll go to Ryan Nelson, get back to Zach Gallen, and then Brandon Fott will will end the series. And so, yeah, going up against a Giants team that hasn't been great so far, but still has some decent offensive hitters in that lineup on both sides of the plate. So, again, it's so bizarre that they haven't played the Giants yet. I mean, it's uh, I forget when the first time they played the Giants last year was, but um, I don't it think must it was have been in April, long. right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that. Um, last team in the division that they haven't played because they started off with the Dodgers and the Padres. Eventually, they play the Rockies, and now eventually they play the Giants. But um, yeah, I, th- I think just again, just looking at another test for the young pitchers because all three of them are going in this series, and so it's just going to be a you know a really interesting showcase for those three guys. It's not an intimidating lineup. Uh, Tyro Estrada has been very good. He's hitting three thirty eight. 
Um, probably been their hottest hitter to start the year. Mike Yastrzemski, one of their better players on the IL. Brandon Crawford, been there a long time, on the IL. Not that he was playing well. J.D. Davis is a name that's been pretty good. They added Mitch Hanniger in the offseason, former Diamondback. He has not been good. Michael Conforto they added. He has not been great. Uh, Jock Peterson, not been great. So I think that this is a real opportunity for the Diamondbacks and some of their young pitchers you mentioned are going to go this week. Um, This is a chance to shine because this organization does not appear to have a very good lineup right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, still, though, guys don't want to overlook. I mean, Jock Peterson was an all-star last year, inconsistent player, but um, again, if you you throw a pitch like you threw to Jorge Soler, I mean, he has the capability of hitting it onto the concourse going the opposite direction. Mitch Hanniger has done it for years. Again, slow start, but he he had an injury-riddled start to the season. He didn't make his Giants debut until fairly recently. He's only played in 12 games. J.D. Davis has been good, so it's... You know, it's not a great lineup, but as a team, it's they haven't been they they're more league average offensively than they are towards the bottom of the barrel. So I think it's a, it's a decent test, but the young pitchers will go. I'm curious what they do. I I don't know if maybe they'll make a roster move at some point during this series if they just need more bullpen help. But at some point, they probably are going to need an extra guy there. So just keeping an eye out on the transaction transactions list. But uh, I think it's a, it's a good litmus test because this is the team that. I think before the season, a lot of people were like, okay, Dodgers, Padres, 1-2, who's going to be that third team? And it's like, oh, it's either going to be the Giants or the Diamondbacks. So far, the Diamondbacks have been better. But, I mean, this is sort of a really interesting test. Like, where are you exactly in the division, at least to start it off? Because if the Giants come in and win three out of four, then... You now know, we got you, a lot you, of questions. You, men- you mentioned like them coming back to Earth a little bit. It was only one series loss, even if it felt worse than that right. against the Marlins. But if they lose to this Giants team that's been lackluster so far, then it's like, okay... Where do you evaluate yourselves now? Still, it's early. They're approaching the quarter mark of the season, but this is a good test as far as like where you are at and can you put a team that you are more talented than and you've played better than so far behind you at home in a four-game series. One guy, I don't know if I would call him an X-factor, but one guy that intrigues me a little bit, Lamont Wade Jr. is a guy who I don't know that there's many players in the league that are as polar opposite against right versus left. <laughs> Lamont Wade Jr. against right-handed pitching hits 250 on base 354. This is for his career. He has 34 home runs. Against lefties, he hits 129 on base 219. He has one career home run. Obviously, they use him a lot more against righties than they do lefties. But that's the kind of guy that if you're going to be facing Brandon Fott and Ryan Nelson this week. Which you will. I'm thinking that you're going to see Lamont Wade Jr. somewhere in the middle of the lineup for for those two starts, assuming those guys go. Tommy Henry, maybe you won't see him against Tommy Henry just because he doesn't hit lefties as prominently. But um, that's an interesting name for me. I'm always interested when I watch the Giants to see Lamont Wade Jr. because he is so polar opposite when it comes to facing righties versus hitting lefties. And he's got 26 walks this season. 26 walks right now. He's on base 437. Uh, that's that's absurd. That's absurd. Yeah, he's I got think, more walks than strikeouts. I think Tommy Henry will see Wilmer Flores instead. Um, probably he's also been pretty good for them. Yeah, probably they have a decent bench, by the way. I mean, I like Wilmer Flores, another former Diamondback. Uh, Blake Sable's been pretty good uh, at times. So this is this is a fine team. Austin Slater's not a bad player player at times. He's hitting really well. He's hitting really well so far. Yeah, it's only been eight games though. 
Yeah, and some interesting names in the bullpen. They've got some really good veteran guys who've been around for a long time. They just uh, brought up Casey Schmidt, too. Yeah. So that's a name to watch. I saw he missed his call-up phone call when the organization called him to let him know he was getting called up. He missed it because he was in the theater watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's amazing. I didn't realize Which that. Which is hilarious. And then he homered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess all's well that ends well. All right, so the uh, Diamondbacks will face the Giants for the first time this season. Very odd, but uh, we'll have our eyes peeled on that series at home at Chase Field. Well, for my friend Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.